Hope you're having a great Monday evening, everyone. Thank you for spending part of it with us. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, following a Week 14 victory, Sunday Night Football, 28-12 over the Seattle Seahawks. And, Coach, in part as a result, you canceled meetings today. It's a little bit quiet around the facility today. The players getting out of here early and having a little bit longer weekend. Yeah, really what it was was, uh, you know, they got in, got a workout in, and they uh, got their treatment, and then it gave us a chance to get a jump start on the Cowboys. And so that was really what it was. You know, the guys will still watch the film, and then, you know, we'll be able to consistently hit it throughout the week as we start to implement our parts of the game plan, and then you make sure that you go back and revisit some of the things that will be relevant for us moving forward and that we can't just kind of brush aside. But, you know, on to the Cowboys for us. No doubt. Obviously, it's Christmas, all the stuff in the room. I, I would expect uh, a lot of Christmas cards this week from your fan base for stomping a mud hole in the Seahawks in the Coliseum. That fan base was into it and energized because you were energizing them with your play. Yeah, the guys did a great job. And I thought, uh, you know, two weeks in a row, DeMarco, that the guys had an energy of something that you could feel, you could see it. Uh, when they got out there, they were ready to go. There was a buzz in the air, even just when you went out for warm-ups. And uh, I thought it showed by the guys just overall energy from the first snap to the you know to the finish. And, and I thought it was in all three phases and uh, really pleased with our team. May I ask, how did you find that? I mean, how do you do that midseason? I mean, when you in- interject energy into a team how do you do that as a head coach I think you'd be better I think you'd be better equipped to answer that than me you know I think the players you know there's there's something about these guys that you know we have a consistent week of practice the preparation the messaging but you got to find that switch inside you that when you're getting ready to play a physical game like this uh, that's demanding mentally uh, from the first snap to the last and you got to have that intentional focus every single snap uh, they've ha- they've found a way to do that and and I think it's a credit to the really our veteran leadership a lot of the guys that kind of you know drive the bus for our team and and, and their focus, their you know consistent approach day in and day out, and then getting guys ready to go, I think uh, has been the key to that. Speaking of getting guys ready to go, I mean, here we are in mid-December, and it seems like you're in position to put your best roster out there down the stretch in terms of health and the way you came away from last night's win? Yeah, I think we feel good about it, JB. And, and really, it's it's kind of, you know, I think what you've seen now is two weeks in a row where the offense and the defense have been able to play off of one another. You know, you're seeing good, positive performances from both sides. Uh, and I think that's when you can see that complimentary football that we talk about all the time. Clearly, we want to avoid those turnovers that we did have offensively. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to be able to start the game where you're scoring on three or your four possessions, finish it with touchdowns, the, the way the defense was getting off on third downs. I think that's a key formula for being able to play from the front. Then you force teams to be one-dimensional even when they're trying to catch up. And I thought that was key for last night for us, for sure. Do you grade down Cooper Cup for missing a pass? He's a receiver. I mean... I actually give him a plus because he progressed to his number two read there. Mm. And actually, you know, I can get on him because he's had such a great game the last couple weeks. If Higby stays down the front side hash, that's exactly where Cup put it, where it was an us or nobody type throw. And if he stays right down that right hash, Higby probably gets another, gets a touchdown. Oh my God. See, he did it right again. Wow. Yeah. Cooper, he can't do anything wrong. He's unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. He's Um, a man. I got a text after the game, um, and it said, asking me, me, has, I guess Sean McVay has found his mojo, right? And I waited, chewed on it, and I said, well, if mojo means they're running the ball better, then yeah, he found his mojo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think uh, you know, I think our team has, and certainly any time that you're seeing your guys uh, make plays, that they're having fun, they're enjoying themselves, it sure does make it a lot more fun for us as coaches. And, uh, you know, you talk about the rhythm or whatever it might be on both sides of the ball, and I think we've been able to get into a rhythm uh, because of the way that the game has gone, based on the way that the players have executed snap in and snap out. He's Sean McVay with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, this is the Coach McVay Show, live from 
from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. We're looking ahead to Week 15 at Dallas. But as a byproduct of what you just said, I mean, I just took a quick scan through the play-by-play, and here, here were your unfavorable down and distances last night. Third and nine, and you hit Higby on that play, which we'll talk about. Yep. You had a first and 20 after a hands to a face, turn that into a, a first down. Yep. And you had a third and 10 on a bobbled exchange on a girly run. Those were your worst situations. They yeah. Few and far between. Yeah. The one that really stands out was when we had the second and five and lost yards on the draw that got us to the third and ten, which, which right. led to then the uh, the interception. But that's a key thing, JB. And, and when you can consistently be in those favorable down and distances, uh, you're able to dictate things. And then, you know, you got the more manageable third downs. We had a couple, you know, a handful of runs that Todd ended up popping on third down uh, that were big conversions that we really hadn't done a good enough job in the previous weeks of, hey, when we get into some of these uh, short yardage type situations we got to be able to convert we did that last night and then for Malcolm to be able to cap it off on a third down run was great Rampage and the cheerleaders on the field, was that the only pre-snap <laughs> miscue? Yeah, what the heck was that, man? I'm just glad we didn't get penalized. I'm like, what are we doing? And I look over and that's, she made the uh, bubble. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> it's a big just deal. glad it didn't get us flagged. I, I'm right there with I've never you. seen that in my life. I said that's a first. Never happened before. Just, yeah. Yeah, I football. looked over. I thought to myself, what is going on right now? <laughs> What could happen now? <laughs> Some unbelievable individual efforts, and we can mention three of them at, at once here. I think Higby, Woods, and Gurley, the stat last night that just kind of blew all of our minds. First NFL trio with 100 scrimmage yards apiece in back-to-back games in 19 years. Wow. Almost that's amazing. I did not. Well, I've never heard that stat either. That's wow. a good one Higby, right there. Woods, and Gurley, Arizona, and now the win over Seattle. Awesome. Yeah, pretty good stuff. I, I don't think I would have picked that trio. Coming into the well, year. Well, that's an interesting point. I, I guess, I mean, I, should I be surprised by Higby or no? No. I, yeah. I think, uh, you know, he's getting an opportunity, really. What you're seeing is a guy capitalizing on the opportunity and something that he probably should have gotten more chances earlier on. But he uh, he's always demonstrated the capability, and now it's great for him to be able to see it come to life uh, in the real games. And uh, he's got a lot of confidence making big plays, and I think it's not exclusive to, you know, the third downs. He's making plays on first and second down. He's doing stuff with the ball, without the ball, and uh, he's showing why he's one of the more complete tight ends in this league. I believe that. And, like, oh, yeah, if you're not catching the pass, go block clown. You know, yeah. No, How about your day? Yeah. A, he had he had a heck of a day. He's really strung together two great weeks, Demarco. What's the ceiling there? I mean, I was thinking today about. I mean, he's not going to have a hundred yards receiving every week or a touchdown in every game. But like, are we rethinking what he's capable of in the yeah, NFL? I think he's a legitimate guy that when you get into you know some of those situations where you know you got to account for him on all three downs. And now and now when you start to have to really say, okay, you like to get your play action going, you like to be able to do some different things. Where in a lot of instances that tight end is used as a blocker. So now you're really operating with sometimes three and four eligibles that then makes it easier for the defense to be able to change some of their principles. Now that you have to account for all five eligibles because of the way that he's gotten involved, because of the way that Todd's gotten involved in the last couple weeks, now you're saying, all right, you got you know your three receivers or you know your two receivers and two tight ends, and then your back that you're you're having to account for, and you know you want to make them defend all five eligibles. When that dude is stepping out of tackles, man, I mean. The Rams are a tough out, period. But when he's doing that, I mean, when he's challenging people and winning. It's, I don't know what you do defensively. It's big time, you know, and you see that he's gotten some open space where you can feel he runs a lot better than a lot of people think, too. I mean, he's a big guy that plays in line, but, you know, you can detach him from the core. He made a great play on the third down on the first drive of the game uh, that got us down to the one-yard line. He wanted to get Malcolm a touchdown because he had him on his fantasy squad or get something out. like that. But, uh, you know, he, he's done a great job, and I think he's demonstrated really the ability to do a lot of different things, and, and that's a big-time asset to us. 
We will hear that play, the third and nine conversion, when we come back, and then we'll talk about Jared Goff's swagger. Last night at the Coliseum, back-to-back, great performances by QB1. Just getting started on the Coach McVay Show, Week 15 edition on ESPN LA 710. They put trips out to the right, including Tyler Higby. Play clock at six as Goff comes up to bark his command. Now with three, he has to hurry back to the shotgun. Here's the snap. He fakes the throw down the right side, now launches. Complete to the 10, stumbling to the 5. Higby touchdown at the 1. They fake the receiver screen, which has become their bread and butter. And they go deep to Higby the tight end. First and goal at the 1 ram. All right, welcome back to Thousand Oaks and the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Rams who called that play, Sean McVay. Self-scouting was kind of the phrase that came to mind when I saw it in real time. I mean, like I said, a bread and butter there. It's become a staple of your offense, but you got the Seahawks leaning. Yeah, it, it had been something that uh, had been a successful play for us and something that we've utilized when we've played the uh, the Seahawks in years past as well. And so uh, great job by Jared being able to execute it. Good sell by Higby and, and to get that ball up and down and then to be able to get it down. I think it was a 33-yard gain that he ended up getting right there. And it was a big play for us and, and got it down to the one. And then Malcolm punched it in. I, I wrote this down for that play. Are, are they great salesmen or good liars? To, what to do you sell think? the screen. I mean, look, it worked either way, but yeah. man, wow. Salesman <laughs> has a better connotation to it. So. What a great, I mean, what a great sell job. I mean, did you kind of know they would bite because maybe we've run this play before? I think you had hoped, you know, yeah. but I thought it was all, it, it goes back to the execution, you know, and, and Griffin's an aggressive corner, does a great job coming up when asked to do that in, in some of these, you know, situations where he might have to come up and tackle, you know, as a third's corner he was right there. And, and um, you know, that had been something that we had done, that had been something that we had done the previous week against Arizona in a similar type situation. And so, um, you know, it was a nice compliment to some things that we had done versus them and in recent weeks. So it was a good play by those guys. Subsequently, if you look at how you sped it up on the goal line, first and goal from the one, caught Seattle, missed the line. What has to transpire between Higby being touched down at the one to getting that snap off quickly so that you do cave in that left yeah, side? Yeah, really just uh, great communication and urgency by Jared to the rest of his teammates. You know, quickly getting lined up, um, you know, running a, running a play that's been successful for us right there. And you caught him in a substitution where they like to go some different matchups and some early downs even versus, uh, you know, different personnel groups. Um, caught him with, with 10 guys on the field, and you know they didn't really get their front structure closed the right way, and ultimately Big Witt ended up you know caving it in, and, and uh, you know it was a great run by Malcolm, and nice job to be able to punch it in. Because they have third and nine personnel on the field Correct. from out beyond the yeah. high red zone, and all of a sudden you're asking them to defend goal line. Absolutely, and, and really you know we kept the same personnel on the field because obviously if you had changed personnel, then you know the refs stand over the ball and you give them an opportunity to match, but uh, that was a situation where sometimes a lot of these teams, you know, when you're looking across the field, you see how quickly are they subbing? Are they trying to get subs in on those quick changes? And, you know, I mean, you see some of these teams around the league. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and, and Brady have done as good a job as anybody, you know, being able to make people pay, whether it's having too many or not enough. And, um, you know, that was a situation where it worked out in our favor to be able to just be aggressive and punch it in right there instead of having to wait and let them get set up. It's funny. I, I love saying old man wit, but it's he doesn't look like old man wit. He looks like a bouncer a club you know he did you know I I, uh, I got a good laugh at a couple plays down the stretch he was having some fun last night I saw him uh, flex on some people too so you know I uh, it was on one of uh, one of our jet sweeps you know the second one to Robert Woods got to go back and watch Big 7-7 seven, seven with the Hulk Hogan flex no oh yeah no. it was great man he was enjoying himself so it was he was having fun 
The Coach McFay Show is presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Rams coming off a win in Week 14, now going on the road to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Jared Goff certainly seems to be playing with some swagger these last couple of weeks. Um, what do you attribute that to? I mean, I'm sure he's gone to work behind the scenes, the cohesion, the offensive line playing in his favor, getting healthy at your skill positions. What do you see? I think all of it. I think, you know, football is the greatest team sport, but but ultimately I think it's he's been able to get into a rhythm early in games, you know, making some third down conversions, uh, making some nice plays on the early downs, whether it be through the screen game or some of our movements where we're changing that launch point. But I just think he's gotten a good, comfortable rhythm, and he's throwing the ball with accuracy and anticipation. I think he's playing faster. But, you know, anytime that you see him, play as well as he has it's also a reflection of the other 10 around him and and we talk about that all the time uh and then I think what last night demonstrated that's that's one of the things that you love the most is inevitably there's going to be some things that always don't go our way and for him to have a you know a couple of those plays that are not exclusively on him you know there's some different reasons for uh some things that ended up occurring where we turned it over those two times to then be able to respond regather yourself we had a couple good drives really where we ended up missing that field goal but then you also look at the 95-yard drive. I thought his play to Higby, you know, for 30-plus in the se- on the second down when we were backed up uh, really got us going. And then, you know, he just was uh, he was great throughout the night and, and really even in some of those moments where it wasn't as smooth as it was really throughout the whole first half, uh, he remained even-keeled, which is as big as anything. Just a little more love for the bigs up front. Uh, and this is just my eyes. I thought this group played better against that group than your first group up there, if yeah. that makes any sense. No doubt. And it they was, had Jaron Reed this time. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And he's a really good football player, you know, and, and I think when you look at this defense too, DeMarco, especially over the last few weeks, I mean, they have really done a great job applying pressure on some of these other offenses they've faced by hitting home, whether it be rushing four or five guys. I mean, you've seen Clowney, you know, Anza was out last night, but I mean, Clowney's made a big impression over the last couple of weeks. You mentioned it. Jaron Reed's a really good football player. Um, they've got some guys that they can really do some damage. And I thought, you know, I thought we played well. I thought we ran the football. I thought we were physical last night and I thought that that showed up uh, really, you know, during, you know, really throughout the whole game. Tell me something. Greg Gaines and Puna Ford, same body type. Am I, am I right? Very similar. <laughs> they could be brothers, right? There you <laughs> go. But under those circumstances that you're describing, it seems like there's a clarity of mind with Jared. And, and one of the areas I see that show up is like the free fives that he picked up last night, where all of a sudden he has the the comfort level and the time at the line of scrimmage to use his cadence and no to doubt. put you in even more favorable situations. You're exactly right, JB. And, and all those things go hand in hand. Uh, being able to do that, having time to operate, being able to, you know, that's the one advantage that you do have offensively. You decide when the ball is snapped within the framework of a 40-second play clock or 25 if you're coming out of a stoppage. And um, that's, you know, we always talk about using cadence as a weapon. I thought he did that. And then we were able to use our tempo as a weapon. And, and it's not exclusive to just always going fast, but change changing up, all right, when are we snapping the football in that 40-second clock? Uh, how quickly are we going? Are we going quick? Are we going? Are we slowing it down? Are we coming out of the huddle and going quick? You know, so there was a lot of different things that we were able to do and kind of just like changing up your pitches as a pitcher. You know, I thought our guys enabled us to be able to do that last night. I just I wondered, I mean, when I get caught, when guys get caught off sides, it ruins your game because you're dancing to his tune. What does that do for you offensively when you catch guys? Well, it's huge. I mean, you know, we were, the, the first time he got him, we were in a second and nine, you know, and you got a totally different play call. You're more in the known passing situations, and we were going to actually be in the shotgun. We got him to jump off sides. Then we got back underneath, and we ended up running a play action where we hit Robert Woods right over the middle for a big gain. So uh, it just changes where now you're back to efficient. You know, now these guys have to, they're a little bit slower to, to really get off the ball. And, and if that doesn't make them continue to honor the cadence, then you keep using it and got him a couple other times as well. 
As for the interceptions, you did mention, mention a couple of adverse moments. They seem like classic examples of interceptions aren't always on the quarterback, right? Yeah. Other players play and roll in those change of possessions. Sure. Yeah, really, you know, the one that, uh, you know, the first one when you look at it, it was a great play by, by Quandry Diggs, but, you know, Robert's doing a great job. You know, he's, he's, he's going to communicate with his eyes how he's reading that coverage, and, you know, he snapped down, and he hadn't given him an eye, his eyes yet, but the rush got there. Jared felt the need to speed it up, and um, it was one of those deals where it was a great play by him, and, and some something where if the pocket allowed, he's probably going to move a little bit and then be able to deliver that ball to Robert where he'll snap it down in front of him. We'll give him a, a, a throw probably on his back pad, and then he'll be able to turn and get vertical. But uh, it was a great play, and, and it was good defense by them where the rush forced the ball to come out, and that's why that's so valuable um, you know, for us to be able to be on the same page communication-wise. And then it was a similar type mix-up on the other one where uh, you know we had Cooks on a, on a little isolation from the three spot, and you know he, again, he did a nice job coming over the top there. I'll just ask JB. The Lions didn't want him. Okay, never mind. Well, yeah, just saying. Just saying. Never mind. They're playing a different game at this point in the season. Just checking. Everyone okay. has their price. Wow. <laughs> Still a lot to get to, including on the offensive side of the football. I want to know if Johnny Munt has been the unsung hero of this turnaround. He's done some good things there. But we have to talk defense coming off uh, coming up next. Winning off schedule against Wilson plus the pass rush. Eliminating the downfield passing game of the Seahawks, which is one of their staples. We continue on the Coach McFay Show after this on ESPN LA 710. Awaiting the snap from Seattle from the 18-yard line of the Seahawks. Wilson has it. Pressure from his right. Dante Fowler got him. Sacked at the 10. Some heat around the right side. Aaron Donald helps him clean up. Fowler takes the bow. Falls backward in celebration. He's got two tonight and a career high on the season. All right, we continue with the Coach McVay Show live from Thousand Oaks with DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long and the head coach of your Rams, Sean McVay. As a play caller, if you had to face your pass rush right now, your Rams defense, what would concern you? Uh, yeah, well... Really, all of our guys. I mean, you, you know, you look at what a what a presence Aaron is, what he's consistently done, and then now you add in the fact that these other guys are playing at a high level. You hear Dante right there, who's been so consistent throughout this year. Clay Matthews has had a great year. I think Michael Brockers is playing really good football. You know, it, it's it just goes to show you. I mean, when you want to be able to rush Corey Littleton, you can do that. You saw we brought Weddle a little bit last night, Taylor Rapp. I mean, you got a lot of different guys that have some skill sets. I mean, shoot, we're bringing some corners, you know, based on some different things, you know, last night and the last couple weeks as well so everybody can blitz everybody can go forward I think we've been able to mix up some of our coverage principles but uh, there's a lot of things that would concern me especially the way that we're playing and I'm glad that uh, we don't have to do that there was one Samson Ebicom sack and it was the first time that I can remember that the Rams got a sack when Aaron Donald was active and not on the field you know what I mean yeah, that's a that's a good point. I'd have I'd be interested to look and see what that when uh you know what that ended up looking like. But you know, in terms of what that number would be, you know, what is the percentage of sacks that have occurred with Aaron not not actually on the grass? But Samson, you know, another big game for him last night as well. You know, getting a couple sacks and um you know I was really impressed with just his ability to come in, spell some of our other guys, and he's been a big time contributor. But you know, really as a whole, our defense was outstanding, and and I think it was a real result of all three levels being connected and being on the same page. The book on Russell Wilson is that the play doesn't start until it breaks down. Mm-hmm. And you got a firsthand taste of that back in week five with one of his best games. How did you limit those off-schedule opportunities for him and the Seahawks last well, night? Well, I think uh, I think our guys did a great job keeping their rush integrity. Um, you know, we had a rush plan designed to be able to try to do that. You know, he still ended up making a, ha- a couple plays, but I thought our ability to stay connected on some of those coverage principles when he did break contain and, you know, just that relentless pursuit. I, it was all about, it's about all 11, um, you know, just flying to the football, understanding 
understanding, you know, how dangerous Russell is, that, you know, those plays are never really over. And I just thought our urgency, uh, one snap at a time from one snap to the next consistently throughout the game, uh, really showed up. And, you know, the other thing that you talk about with this team is, you know, they run the football so efficiently. I mean, you look at a great defense like Minnesota, they ran for 200 yards on a, over 200 on them last week. And, you know, obviously you hate to see anybody, you know, get injured. Didn't like to see that, you know, for Penny going down earlier on the screen. But, you know, Chris Carson's been an outstanding back for them. And, you know, I thought we did a good job, really, with the exception of the third down and one where, you know, we were in a front structure that we wanted to be different than that. Uh, you know, we, we limited them for the most part other than that 13-yard run. Yeah, they got some monsters. I walked up the tunnel with uh, behind DK Metcalf. He's a big boy, isn't he? Good Lord. Yeah. Where did they find that? Uh, but Troy Hill accepting the challenge, number one, being the backup to start the year and then being the starter and then being opposite Jalen Ramsey, which means you're getting a lot of work, but he has come up big. He did great. I, I was really impressed, and I thought Troy uh, you know, had a handful of plays. You know, you look at the double move, they tried to hit Lockett on down the sideline, and then you look at the one later on in the game where he goes up and high points it for the pick, came up and made some tackles. You know, I thought it was one of Troy's most complete performances, and, and now the you know the challenge is, hey, let's, let's stack another great performance against what we know is going to be a very, very formidable opponent in the Cowboys and all the problems that they present offensively with their personnel and the scheme talking some defense here with sean mcveigh demarco far jb along with you this edition of the coach mcveigh show live from the rams facility you know in your sub packages even in your base packages it's it's interesting to see the roles being subdivided at this stage of the season and what i mean by that is we've introduced Traven howard in recent yep. weeks uh troy reader still has his spots marquee christian it seems like there are very tailored specific roles for maybe role players in your defense as opposed to the big ones we see on every day. I think it's been great because, you know, and it's specific to the week. You know, it's not something that is so, you know, similar and consistent from week to week that you can just get a beat on it from an offensive standpoint either. I think our coaching staff has done a great job of figuring out, all right, we get 46 guys active. Usually you got anywhere between 22 and 23 of those players on the defensive side of the ball. Some of them are core teams players. um, And really just figuring out how can we get the most out of every single guy based on how we want to try to defend the opposing schemes or the opposing team's scheme and their personnel you know just listen to the guys talk i mean after the game trying to figure out hey did they get over a hundred on us i mean it's personal with them to go out and stop the run so you can rush the passer absolutely and they understand you know what it takes you know to be able to try to say all right how can we win this game as a team what are some of those key points of emphasis what are the things that will get us beat if we don't do this uh, but ultimately it's about everybody being on the same page and then I think it's been great because uh, you know you want to create value for everybody and when everybody feels like they're a part of it you know that's when special things can occur don't want to just breeze through special teams, but maybe if you can give mm. us a high-level thought. Last week, right here when we were sitting here, you said we got to make our kicks, and it is becoming that time of year where the margin for error is so slim. You got away with it the other night with a, a blocked field goal, and then also had two return specialists have to fill in for JoJo Natson. How did that all look collectively on teams? Yeah, so, uh, you know, really, obviously, we, you know, we want to get those things cleaned up. They did a good job of rushing right over our wing, and, um, you know, there was a little bit of penetration came in, and, and they got a hand on it, and those are things that we've got to be able to clean up. They can't, I can't continue continue to say that either you yeah. know we've got, just got to be able to go get it done and and find a way to execute more consistently understand the importance of every single snap um, you know Simba was limited I thought he fielded the ball clean he, he had a couple opportunities you know one where he got vertical on the left sideline you know towards our bench and then the other where they did a good job covering and, and tackling him pretty quickly and then you know the one uh, return earlier in the game Daryl sure showed why he is a powerful guy that can <laughs> do some different things with the ball in his hands and then he had one later on in the game where they kind of squibbed it and uh, 
you know, he got vertical for a couple yards, but he is powerful, man, and it's exciting. And I'm really looking forward to just continuing to see him grow, whether that be as a kick returner or when the ball's in his hands on offense. That's a high-speed collision with, like, a moving fire hydrant yeah. if you have to catch <laughs> he, it. He's a load. Uh, yeah, yeah. he's sturdy, you know, yeah. and I thought his ball security was good. So there were some positives, um, you know, but, uh, you know, always things that, you know, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams that we can certainly improve on. Was the block through the inside of the wing, that spot? It was. Ah, that's always that spot. Why is it always there where all blocks come through? I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, that's where you attack, and that's where they got. Well, something you can fix, though, right? It is yeah. very fixable. It better be, right? I mean, no one got ran like run over, you know? We got, I hope. We got to be better. We okay, that's it. That <laughs> when we continue with the Coach McVay show, would you like to hear Maurice Jones-Drew's I would reply uh, to our conversation last week on this show? If by reply you mean, you know, understanding how wrong he was. All out surrender? <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll hear from wow. Maurice and let you react as we continue. The Coach McVay show, week 15 edition on ESPN LA 710. First and goal from the seven. Left hash into the enclosed end of the Coliseum. Jared Goff under center. Looking to build on a 21-9 lead. He gives to Gurley. He tries the left side to the perimeter. A vicious stiff arm, and he goes in on his feet. Touchdown, Todd Gurley. Touchdown, L.A. With 11.07 to go in regulation, it's out to 27-9. And for Gurley, it's his 12th touchdown in nine games against the Seahawks. All right, Todd Gurley runs it in to help cement a victory in Week 14 under the Sunday Night Lights against the Seahawks. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and Sean McVay with you tonight. And before we get to the uh, business at hand, which is the back and forth with Maurice Jones-Drew, how about that stiff arm, right? I mean, that that, that deserves its own segment. It was big time. You know, I didn't realize what a great stiff arm it was because my angle, it kind of, you know, he kind of had blocked me to be able to see what a great play that was on Flowers, who's a tough physical corner that'll come up and tackle. But uh, he found a way, and, and, uh, you know, he certainly has a great sense once you get really inside those tens you know that's why he scored as much as anybody over the last couple years turned him like a saloon door yes i mean absolutely yeah absolutely yeah some i've heard the uh, stiff arm called a hamburger that was a double cheeseburger (laughs) no no (laughs) doubt i mean gosh uh just physical violent getting the end zone that was that's a message. That was, a, that was yeah. a great way, and that 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 kind of represented an opportunity to really cap that game off. And I thought, I, you know, that being the cap off to a ninety-five yard drive uh, to really go up a couple possessions, I thought that was huge. But if Demarco and I could have made eye contact in that moment, <laughs> we would have thought to ourselves, Maurice Jones-Drew couldn't have turned that corner. No, I think he would have hit him in the knee with the stiff arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that takes us back to our conversation from a week ago, uh, and a little back and forth between uh, MJD and Sean McVay. Uh, we posed your comment coach to him on uh rams all access and this was his reply again like i think he's exactly right right. well i I think the way they run some things it's it's a little bit different i was so used to running inside zones or what he calls tight zones away from that box safety so that we would always account for the strong side guy and we'd always be blocking to him and then they'd leave the backside guy who's four or five yards off the ball to me uh, the reason I say you leave him to me is because he's not shooting down the he's not shooting down the line. He's literally like shuffling, playing like I the backside support. No we question. Need a film session that was you and McVay. Wasn't that Sean's contention? Is that if they left that guy unblocked, he'd be in yeah. your backfield? Yeah. Have you ever been trapped in the backfield by a safety? 
on the, on the I, goal I've been, line? I've been on the goal line's different, but even even with on the goal line, like I could show you tape of me being one on one with a guy and making a mess or dealing, I'm with just him. running through him. That's like, what I'm like, saying. Like, I, have you ever lost that battle? Once. I think that's what he's I, talking I about. I lost it one time, and it was my boy Antoine Bethea who oh, caught me. Like, he just hit me low. Yeah, yeah. But but even that, even then, like I should have won that matchup because he hit me on the one yard line, and I just he, he just caught me at the, like the right angle where I couldn't drive my feet and reach over right, the top right, of right, him. Right. But there, there's sometimes, and I get it because they run they run certain plays, and I and I and I don't want to dive into the kind of the plays they run. But when you bring that guy in a ton. You're pretty much saying 90% of the time, 99% of the time, we're running the ball downhill at you. And then right. you're just inviting a nine-on-seven type of mentality or a run-first mentality. All right, Sean, the floor yeah. is yours. No, that's great. You know what? And, and and there's a lot of things that there's a lot of merit. I also, even on tight zones, would challenge Mo that you do need to dig that guy out because last year against Arizona, Antoine Bethea on a tight zone, even when we left him for the back, made us pay by hitting us into the backfield. It's so the funny one that guy he that got that, MJD that in his whole career is wow. the same guy that on the tight zone concept where we didn't insert made us pay in week two against the Cardinals, and then we got it fixed in the, you know in the course of a game but but I agree I think there is a balance of making sure because you do write you you are in a lot of instances demonstrating hey we're this is what it is and you're a little bit more regulated that's why you do want to be able to have the play action some different things like that but um, it is a big thing and um, I will say this man you know I'm 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 not running the football I have I didn't do my thing you know like he did over the course of his career <laughs> but uh, you know on these certain concepts you want to block the safety. <laughs> I mean, the Coach McVay Show presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. We appreciate Mo and Sean McVay going back and forth on that topic. To be continued. Yeah. Uh, a related concept, but changing lanes a little bit here. Uh, Chris Collinsworth called your game last night with Al Michaels for Sunday Night Football and made headlines last week for really, I, I think, a, a thought that's saturated most of the football universe, and that is the run game doesn't have to be effective for play action to be effective. As one of the most productive play action coaches in the entire league what's your take on on that philosophy and chris's point well i think in a lot of i, I mean i think chris does a great job and, and i think he is right you know you, you don't necessarily have to have success running the football to be able to have an efficient play action but i do think there's got to be a, a legitimate respect from the defense that okay we might be able to run it to then be able to create some looks that are more conducive for the play action game to get off so it is a little bit of a balance uh but you have seen in, in some instances even if you end up committing to being able to get some things off it does soften up things as a game progresses and unfolds where they're maybe leaning on some stuff a little bit more and it does open up some windows on the second and third levels um, so it is it all is is kind of just all right it's an individual let's talk about how this play is affected by that but I do think in a lot of uh, you know scenarios what he's saying is right I, I think I might have added when he said it it doesn't have to be effective early but if you're not effective running the football, I'm going to pay it less attention, and then I'm going to jump on your play action later on. Yeah, as and, a defense, yeah, and, and, and no question about it. And you got to be able to, you know, anytime that you look at these good offenses uh, across the league, usually what you're going to say is consistent amongst all of them is they have the ability to do either or. And if you can only do one or the other, um, that one dimension eventually ends up catching up to you. And you better be able to do both of them. And and, and in a lot of those looks, you got to say, okay, if we are saying we're totally committed from a defensive standpoint to stopping the run, committing an extra defender down, well, now that creates some better things for you on the perimeter, on the second and third levels to be able to throw some of your play actions, and that's where you have to be efficient there, and then vice versa, uh, if they're going to play you know, the pass to the run, you got to be able to run the football. 
Another topic that came from last week's show, a fan observed watching the TV copy of last night's game, 13 help-ups, he called them, from Austin Corbett. He said he listened and liked what you said about Tyler Higby being a glue guy and instructing our audience to go and look at how many plays Higby's the first guy there picking up a teammate. It's awesome. So this listener literally charted the, the game last night and said that it was Corbett who led the Rams offensively. In that is uh, awesome that they did that. <laughs> you know but you know what, though? I think that is huge because we talk about being a connected team, Rams picking up Rams. Uh, when you see that there's just an energy you know I think it's as important as anything you know picking guys up and and showing you know hey I got your back I'm with you and um, I we talk about it all the time you see a lot better than you hear you mm. can talk about it but at 13 that's great I'm gonna have to you know what that's that's a you good can check stat. with Larry and see if he that's can all. back I that might, up I, on might your have to, I might have to look at that that is a great <laughs> stat to be able to say you know to reward guys for um, I never even thought about the amount of times that you actually help somebody up, but oh, oh Corbett with 13, that sneaky You might son need of to put gun. that on the board. That's kind of awesome. That is you know? sweet. Yeah, I love that. Track. Yeah, it's good stuff. I love it. Who, I, who ended up doing that? I, it's one of those handles that I would have to show okay. you. It's, it's not easy to read out, but if, if you want to get cool. on your burner and give them a shout out, you can after No the burners. Show. No <laughs> burners. <laughs> I, only, only, I only look at stuff when, when, when it's going to be friendly. I don't like having my feelings hurt. <laughs> uh, last thing before we get to the Cowboys in our final segment, I promise I wouldn't leave tonight without getting Johnny Munt's name into the show. Yeah. What role has he played in kind of helping your offense break this ice? He's been big time. You know, uh, you know, and to see the way guys get excited for him having success, you know, watching the way that he's able to create removal. He's been physical. He's been violent at the point of attack, blocking some really big-time players. Um, you know, you look at, you know, who's at the point of attack on both those jet sweeps that Robert Woods had in that big drive. It's Johnny Munt leading the way, whether it be stretching an edge player and then watch what he does to Green at the defensive end when we were running away from a fire zone. Um, you know, that stuff gets you excited. The players love it, and, and Johnny's been great, really been pleased with him. And, and again, I think, you know, Wes Phillips' job with the tight ends has really been big for us. Time to turn our attention to the Dallas Cowboys in week fit. 15 trip to the Metroplex. The Rams mauled the Cowboys at the Coliseum in the playoffs last year with their running game. Can they do it again here in 2019? You're listening to the Coach McFay Show on ESPN LA 710. All right, it's been a great night here in Thousand Oaks. Looking forward to going back on the road and to Dallas to take on the division-leading Cowboys in the East. Now, Sean, I've thought about this at a few different junctures, including in the postseason last year as you prepared to face the Cowboys. Would the Rams be where they are today with as many wins, as many accomplishments, if you don't complete that Week 4 comeback in 2017? Like That felt like a critical milestone along the way. What do you think in terms of the Rams' turnaround? I think that was a huge game for us, especially, you know, our first year together um, to be able to, you know, go through what we did where you come out, you beat the Colts, then you end up having a tough loss against the Redskins, a good back-and-forth battle on Thursday night against the 49ers to be able to get to 2-1, and one, but then to be able to go on the road with what they had done the previous year. I want to say that they were 7-1 and one the previous year at home. They were, you know, they had a first-round bye and, um, you know, great football team, and I think that did a lot for our confidence to be able to play as a team. You know, you look at Zerline hitting a bunch of field goals and defense getting a stop in a two-minute situation. Gurley, you know, that the notorious play where he catches the seam and goes for 57. So there was a lot of big-time plays, and, and that was certainly, I think, uh, a turning point where there was a switch on that guys, you know, really had that uh, tangible evidence to be able to say, man, yeah, you know, I think we got a chance to be okay. You know, uh, help me out here, Coach. Will you tell people to not sleep on the Cowboys? They yes. look at their record and say, okay, should win. But look at 
where they are in the stats. They're yeah. everywhere in the top ten. Yeah, and, and I think uh, this year especially, I mean, you talk about the parity in the league and week to week, but this is a very, very good football team. This is a team that won their division last year, won a playoff game. Uh, you know, you, we, we, you, you know, you have a tendency to think that was a back-and-forth battle that we had with them in the playoffs. Um, so I know this. We're not going to take them lightly at all. We have a lot of respect for Coach Garrett, their staff, um, you know, their players, their ability, and, and we know that we've got to be at our best. This is one of those deals. We talk about competitive greatness, being your best when your best is required. It's going to take competitive greatness on our part to go get this thing done this week. I was thinking as talented a pass rush maybe as you've contended with since about Pittsburgh, perhaps? A great pass rush. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence has been doing his thing, and then, man, wow, wow. Uh, why did we get rid of Robert Quinn again? Uh, great question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> he looks awesome, yeah. man. It, you know, and uh, it's been impressive just watching him. Uh, Rod Marinelli does such a great job with those guys up front. They play hard. They play fast and physical. They've got a good rotation of guys. But, um, you know, he certainly jumps off the screen at you. And, and Demarcus Lawrence has been doing his thing for a while. And it's fun to go down there. Dallas, the big screen. Great the whole atmosphere. Nine. Yeah. Not bad. It is fun. Get your big mug on that screen. Come on. Smile once. Yeah, if my mug's on the screen, that means that it's not for a good thing, man. It's at Dallas, so. And speaking of, a road trip. I just had to put this out there as a preventative measure. Did you see what happened with the Chiefs leaving an equipment container behind them and almost having to forfeit in New England? I did. I did see that. That uh, I asked our equipment manager, Brendan Berger, today, uh, what would he do if that happened? <laughs> and uh, something along the lines of a brown stain in his pants, probably. <laughs> There's equipment in Newark and the game's in Foxborough. No doubt. Let's hope we can all get to Dallas safely and easily. Sean, thanks for your thoughts tonight. You Enjoyable show. Congratulations hey, on a win at the college. We'll see him DeMarco. We'll see you down the road and in Dallas. Coming up next here on ESPN LA 710, it's Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa.